Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The First Mission Trip, Mark 6, 6-13. That's going to be the title. But I want to start out talking about Palm Sunday. And this is Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, we always give out the palms. And we really appreciate the... Um, Pod shop, thank you. The pod shop, I had a total freeze there. The pod shop donates to, to these every year, so if you're ever in there, say thanks for the palms. We really appreciate that what they do for us. But the um, the we always give these out every year at the end. We don't give them out earlier because you know everybody does the sword thing, you know, and they get a little carried away. So everybody's going to get one. Jim and Diana are going to sneak out at the end of the service there and make sure everybody gets a palm on the way out. Just the same rules: no poking in the eyes, no dangerous stuff. That goes for. All Big kids and little kids. So I'll talk a little bit more about the palms at the end. We're going to end up with a Palm Sunday. But it's interesting that we hit this passage, Mark chapter 6, verses 6 to 13, on Palm Sunday. We landed on it at just the right time. God always works it out. Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus Christ presents himself to Jerusalem as the Messiah. We're going to see that in Mark 11. Maybe next Palm Sunday, right? But uh, the, that's the day Jesus presents himself to Jerusalem as the Messiah. But today that we're going to see that Jesus sends out the 12 apostles to represent Jesus Christ to the Jewish people. This is the, when he, present, he, re, he sends them out to represent himself to the Jewish people. The mask is starting to come off. Remember the secret Messiah? Jesus' timetable. He can't say who he is yet because they're going to crucify him. And he's got a, a three-year timetable all mapped out at, by God's leading, by his father's leading. And the mask is coming off. The Lone Ranger's mask is coming off. He gives him a sneak peek. And it will come off for good on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. This is, the, this is like a preview of Palm Sunday here. And we're going to see, I'm going to look at a parallel passage first. In Matthew chapter 5, and i got the verses up behind us here. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. Listen to what it says here about this passage. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any, enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's sending them here to Israel, to the Jewish people. Just as he presents himself on Palm Sunday to the Jewish people, he's sending his disciples first to the Jewish people. Why? Because in Romans 1.16 it says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. First, salvation is offered to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. If you are Jewish, born Jewish, have any Jewish blood, you're Jewish, that you are part of God's original chosen people, and still his chosen people. But the rest of us are Gentiles. By nature, we're Gentiles. That means not God's chosen people. Outside, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Don't panic yet. But God's plan is he, he called Abraham, and he used the Jewish people as a nation of missionaries. He called them first, offered salvation to them first, and he uses them to reach the rest of us. He, he uses the Jewish people to reach the Gentiles with his great news. They, they are his missionaries. That's why Jesus Christ was Jewish. The 12 apostles are Jewish. The early church was almost 100% Jewish until after Pentecost, until a little bit later on, uh, as you go through Acts. It's almost all Jewish. 
because they are the missionaries to the rest of the world. God chose them to reach the rest of the world with the good news of the Messiah. And we're going to see their first mission trip today. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, we, we know each one of us is here for a purpose. Maybe today's the day that we put our faith in your son, Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you work in our heart in a very special way and move us forward in our spiritual walk. Maybe today's the day that you convict us of something in our life that you want us to repent of or to renounce, to remove out of our life. Maybe today's just the day you're just going to bless us and encourage us and move us forward. Whatever your purpose in our life, we thank you for the worship that's prepared our hearts and pray that your spirit would complete it through your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the very first mission trip, we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 6. Verse 6, the second part of verse 6, um, where he says, I'll start with the beginning. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then, he, then, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now I want to look at a, um, let's start with verses 6 and 7 first of all, which is the, the first mission trip, sending out, where he says, Then Jesus went out teaching from village to village, Calling the twelve to them, him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Then I want to jump back to Matthew 10. There's a parallel passage. Matthew and Mark both cover it, but both bring, both bring out different details that have something to say to us today. In verse 10, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, He, he called his disciples, his twelve disciples to him, and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So if we look at these two passages together, we see that he sends out twelve of his disciples that are specially picked to be his apostles. In fact, the word for in here when he says he send them out, the word in Greek is apostello. And that's where we get the word apostle from. That's why Matthew, and Matthew here, he calls the twelve apostles. He's using the Greek as a, kind of a title there. And he sends them out two by two. And probably for several different reasons. One is mutual support. Two people can support each other. One's down, one's up, one's sick, one's healthy. Just like a husband and wife relationship, really. That's why with marriage, that's what husband and wife does. That's what they do for each other. But there's mutual support. They also balance each other. Probably a good example of this is Paul and Barnabas. You know, whenever you read about Paul and Barnabas and their trips, Paul was this fire and brimstone guy and Barnabas was this encouraging guy. And together they balanced each other until they broke apart and, uh, and, and went on separate, their separate mission trips. But also two witnesses were needed for what they were going to be doing. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Two witnesses were essential in, in the 
In the Old Testament, whenever somebody was going to make a judgment, there had to be two witnesses. If someone, if someone was accused of murder, you couldn't, our system, we can go by circumstantial evidence and put someone in prison forever, or even execute them. No, no. Biblically, the Bible does teach capital punishment, but it teaches there has to be two, more than one, two or three eyewitnesses. There can be no mistakes. No mistakes with capital punishment. And also, not just that, but for any issue, there already always had to be two or three witnesses, at least, to establish the truth of any matter. Okay? So remember the two things. But look at this team. I mean, what a team. Look at the names here. Can you believe Jesus Christ picked these dodos to represent him? <laughs> to represent his interest? Uh, this gives us great hope, doesn't it? Gives us great hope. Because there's a lot of dodos here, starting with the pastor dodo, okay? So uh, it gives us great hope. But how about these matchups? Jesus, you know, can you imagine these matchups? First of all, he sends brothers out together. And you know what it's like. You know, probably, you know, sibling rivalries and punching each other. And you know how brothers are. Yeah, you've all had brothers. Imagine he sent the brothers out together, first of all. And then he sends out... Thomas and Matthew, the doubter and the tax collector, you know, you know, that's a whole interesting study. But the best one was, I think, uh, Simon the Zealot and Judas, the terrorist. Uh, the Zealot is a terrorist of that day. He was a terrorist. Jesus picked a terrorist for one of his 12 disciples and a, tra a traitor. You can imagine the dynamics for these two guys. You know, you think we have some interesting dynamics here. You know, can you imagine, you know, Simon saying to him, Judas, you touch my stuff again, I'll kill you. You know, he's got a knife, you know, you, know, you touch it again, I'll kill you. You know, because, you know, Judas was always stealing. You got the klepto thing going. So, anyway, we get to, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Judas used to steal from the, the money that the disciples kept together. He used to steal all the time. Uh, but he didn't steal from Simon for too long, I'm guessing. Verses 8 and 9, we'll go back to Mark chapter 6, 8 and 9, where he gives them travel instructions. Travel instructions. And this is, and this is pretty wild here. He says, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. What were the packing instructions? Travel light. Travel light. That's why there were no women disciples. Sorry, ladies. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Kim does better than I do. I take a lot more than she does. But anyway, uh, so he said you can take a staff. That's the walking stick. They used to use it to walk long distance. They walked and also hit, you know, wild animals that might come in, all that kind of thing. Uh, they also were allowed shoes, but nothing else. They weren't allowed an extra tunic. And this was important because they would often have one outfit, but then they would have a, a heavy outer coat called a tunic. And that was why if they were out and they couldn't find a place to stay... They would use that to sleep, and it was like a sleep, you know, a sleeping bag. They would carry on their backs, and that's how people had these tunics. But they weren't supposed to do that because God was going to supply the housing for them. No food, <laughs> no money, no bag. Now the bag there in the Greek isn't talking about a packing bag because they already told me he can bring anything. This is a beggar's bag. In the Greek, it means beggar's bag. They were not allowed to go out begging either. You know, you don't bring that beggar's bag along just to be safe, to, to get some money. There's some TV preachers who should uh, read that verse probably. Um, why? Because in Matthew 10, back to Matthew 10, verses 9 and 10, he tells them why. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. 
That's why the worker is worth his keep. But he's also doing it for this reason. He is teaching them a very important lesson. And I think he's teaching us a very important lesson through this. Some very important lessons. Number one, I think he's teaching them is don't get bogged down with unnecessary baggage. I'm going to say that again because we live in America. (laughs) Don't get bogged down with unnecessary baggage. It's a huge problem for us, isn't it? I'll prove it. Have you ever moved? <laughs> We've helped a lot of you move. <laughs> and, 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 and how, when we move, think about it. How much do we give away and throw away? Or we should have thrown away, right? It's, it's unbelievable what we don't use, what we don't need. I remember one time Kim and I, we moved a lot when we first got married. We were in seminary and, co- and all this stuff in college. And, and I remember one time we had all of our stuff in the, we had this little tiny apartment. We had all the stuff in the garage. And after being there for two years, it was time to move. We found a different place. And we were like, let's leave it. <laughs> we, we, everything was in the garage. We didn't bring it. We didn't need it. We realized we didn't use it in two years. We don't need it now, right? But it, it's crazy. It, it, we, we, this unnecessary baggage. Often I see someone become a Christian, they get saved, they put their faith in Jesus, they're starting to grow, and then they get bogged down with stuff. Some stuff, or someone, or something. And as a result, we get stunted in our spiritual growth. And often I'm, I just want to take someone and shake them and say, let go of it! You know, Nemo, let go! You know, uh, but I'm sure that's what God wants to do with us all the time, right? He's probably constantly, and he does shake us up, doesn't he? He's constantly trying to get us to release, release, let go. Because we don't, this stuff is, is baggage. And he's also teaching a very important lesson on dependence. There's a faith lesson here. It's dependence, it's total trust. He's teaching them something and us something. Because later in Luke, I'm going to read you a, a, another passage. Later in Luke, he sends them on another mission trip. The, and listen to what he says to them in Luke 22. Let me just find this. He's sending them on another trip. In verse 35, he says, he says to them this time, Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did any of you lack anything? Nothing, they replied. They answered. He said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it. And also a bag if you have and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Yes. A sword. I like lots of swords, that's why I'm saying that. Uh, the, I'm, I'm joking about the sword part. But uh, I mean, I'm joking about yes, but I do have lots of swords. In fact, Ron was moving. Ron, where's Ron? Just moving and gave me a nice sword, old, old, old sword. Spanish, Mexican sword. And uh, I just asked him today, oh, Ron, did you want that, now that they're not moving yet, I said, do you want that sword back? He goes, oh, well, uh, no. Oh, good, good, because I was going to say I couldn't find it. So anyway, the, uh, it's a really nice one. But he, he tells them the first time, don't take anything. And now they're going on another trip. Jesse's getting ready to leave. It's the end, right before the crucifixion. He says, take it all. Why? Why did, why did the instructions change? They had already learned their lesson on faith. The first lesson was, you don't need it. I'm going to take care of you. They already learned their lesson on faith, on dependence, on trust. And now it's okay and it's safer for them to plan and pack. Because now they won't pack what they don't really need. 
They've already learned that lesson. They don't need the extra baggage anymore. They're not going to take it. And now that they're living by, now that they've learned to live by faith, they're going to trust God to meet their needs, whether they have the stuff or don't have the stuff. They've learned that whether you, whether we have what we think is enough or don't have enough, we're still to live by faith. It doesn't matter either way. Philippians four twelve is a great passage. You guys know four thirteen, but listen to four twelve and then leading into four thirteen, where he says. One of, our, one of all of our favorite verses, he says, I know, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And now you know the rest of the story. We all know 4.13, but that's the lead-up to Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. They, once we learn the lesson, once we learn that faith lesson, it's safe for God to give us more. It's safer for us because we're not depending on that. We know we don't need it. We, we, all we need is God. And it's safe then to give us that. I know before we started the church here 13, 13 years ago, we, I had a, we had, had a ministry called Stand the Gap Ministries where I used to travel around and, 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 and minister. And God led us to do this ministry, a revival, renewal, evangelistic ministry. But we had a clear leading from God not to ask for support. We were to live by faith. Now we had six kids, and we're like, God, are you kidding? But it's true. Every time we even put out feelers for support, got nothing. God stonewalled us. He's like, live by faith. For three years, we lived by faith. We didn't ask for money. I went and spoke places. I didn't ask for an honorarium. Whatever they gave me was okay. I didn't send out letters of support. If we ever did, God stonewall it. it was no. If, God, if someone felt led, they support. For three years, we lived like that. And I'll, Kim will be in toward the end. I'll let her tell you a little more of that story because it's why. But, but that prepared us. Now, now, I, now we are here and I get a salary and I have a house and blah, blah, blah. But, but that, that three years prepared us for this ministry. Because there's different steps of faith to take here. It's not where's our, next, where's our next dollar coming from, our last dollar. But now it's the faith to start a church in New Hope. And for those who have been here all 13 years, you know the faith that it took to start a church here. Or to, to take the step of faith with, with the long-term lease with the school here. That's a step of faith. But these are, these are all preparations. All the things that we do that are... That are preparing us for bigger steps of faith, different kinds of steps of faith down the road. David Megan getting ready to go to the DR. I remember having a talk with him six months ago, and eh, it's not going to be hard. Megan's going to get this job, and it's going to cover it all, and I'm just going to need a little money, and they were all set to go, and poof, the job dried up. It disappeared. And I remember them coming back in shock, and, but, but Dave and Megan said to me, you know what, I think God knew we weren't quite depending on him enough. And this, we believe he still wants us to go, but now we're going to have to depend more on him. This is a lesson in faith. And, and they were right. God is preparing. Megan got another job, not as much. So they still need the support. But, and now the support's coming, but they've learned, I've seen them really learning to depend on God. And I believe that faith lesson is going to do them, uh, really serve them well in the mission field. And they want to go to the DR for the rest of their you know, life. They want to be there. 
That, that, that's how God prepares us, though. He, he puts us in a place where we need to depend on him, and that's preparing us for times when we're blessed. We're not going to care about that. We're just depending on God still. Now we come to the, that's the mission trip and what they could bring, but now we come to the mission trip housing accommodations. And in the mission trip housing accommodations in Mark chapter, the wrong one, Mark chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, where he says, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Let's go back to, over to Matthew 10 again because it brings out even more details. You put them together, it's beautiful. Verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave the home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. Interesting, huh? Now, housing accommodations. In the Middle East here, where Jesus, where the disciples were, there were no hotels. <laughs> there was no Motel 6. Turn, leave the light on, right? But hospitality was a huge deal. It still is today. If you go to the Middle East today and you're stuck out in an area where there's people will take you in. It's amazing. The, the whole hospitality thing is just, it's just like wild, wild stories. It's hard for us to even imagine. But he says to them, the disciples with the whole housing accommodations, he says, don't look for the nicest house. Or don't keep bouncing around uh, Judas, uh, Judas. Hey, uh, Simon, I just found a house with a pool. We're going to move over here. You know, he said, none of that stuff. You know, looking for a better house, a better place. He said, no, no, no. Don't do that. He says, look for a worthy person, a spiritual person, and stay there. Stay where you are. Stay in the place. There's lessons for us, right? Stay in the right spiritual place. Don't be bopping around. Stay there. But then he says, but not all will welcome you. And he says, if a home or town rejects you, he tells them to do what? Shake the dust off your feet. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but it did to them. Because when an Orthodox Jew in Jesus' time went into a Gentile area or a Gentile town or even a Gentile home, if they dared go in there, when they left that territory, they would shake the dust off their feet. It was symbolic because, oh, that's disgusting. Now, remember the whole Jews are missionaries to the Gentiles? They never quite got that down, did they? <laughs> they were supposed to be missionaries to us, but, but they were resistant to their call. All throughout the Old Testament, we see Jonah was just a perfect example. Jonah was told to go and witness, and he didn't. He ran the other way. That was, that was the Jewish response to their missionary call many, many times. But So they had this whole idea of symbolically shake the dust off. That was disgusting. But this, now Jesus tell, uses this example. He's telling the apostles to do the same thing, but not to Gentiles. He says, do it to Jewish people, your fellow Jews who reject Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus is Jewish. The, the apostles are Jewish. All the disciples at this time, almost all, 99% of them were Jewish. And yet he tells them, when you're witnessing to your Jewish people to shake the dust off just like you would with a gentile that's what you're supposed to do because these people that don't accept jesus as the messiah they are spiritual gentiles 
They're spiritual Gentiles. Just as a Gentile who puts their faith in Jesus Christ becomes a spiritual Jew. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you've become a spiritual Jew. But a, a Jewish person who rejects Jesus has become a spiritual Gentile. It's not about birthrights. It's about what's in the heart. Although we still know that the Jewish people have a special purpose. You know, we don't, we're not replacement theology here. We've replaced the Jewish people. No, no, no. The church has not replaced the Jewish people. The Jewish people still have a very important part in history. And we better support our fellow Jew, our Jewish brothers and sisters. But spiritually here. Those, he says, those who reject Jesus Christ are under judgment, the same judgment as Sodom and Gomorrah. And we all know what happened there. The apostles are judging them by shaking off the dust from their feet. They're saying, you're like Sodom and Gomorrah. God's done with you. It's a very serious judgment. That's why they went out in twos, because Deuteronomy 17, 6, there had to be more than one witness, there would be two or three witnesses to establish the truth. And this is very, very important. But I want you to notice something here. The apostles were not responsible for the response. Do you notice that? The apostles aren't responsible for the response just for sharing the truth. And it's the same for us. So many people, so many of us are afraid to talk about God or talk about Jesus or share our faith or, or to tell people about Jesus, how to have that salvation that we have. But because why, the main reason we're afraid how the person's going to respond. But it doesn't matter. We're only called to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 3, speak the truth in love. That's our call. We're not responsible for the response, but we are responsible for sharing the truth with people. Verse 12 and 13, and we're going to actually talk about this next week, but I just want to wrap up the, the mission trip. Look what they did on their mission trip. Wouldn't it be fun if we could do these same things? Uh, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I'm going to save that for next week because that's a great Resurrection Sunday sermon. I'll give you a little hint. Resurrection power. All right, keep that in mind as you get ready for next week. It's going to be awesome. But I think I've given you enough to chew on, to incubate, to try to live by faith here. And what I want to do is I want everybody to get a palm on the way out. And, and you can tie it in any shape you want, do it whatever you want, whether it make it into a cross, whatever. But, but everybody take a palm. And this is what I want to encourage you on with a palm, is to remember some things. First of all, to remember that we are all disciples of Jesus Christ. We may not be one of the 12 apostles, but we have all been sent out by Jesus in his name. That's why we're called Christians. And we are all disciples of Jesus Christ. God is using us to reach others for Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that more next week, too. Are we looking for open doors, open hearts, people that are open to receiving the gospel? Are we looking for that? Just as the disciples were to be looking for open doors to live, we're to be looking for open doors to hearts to share the news of Jesus Christ. Are we looking for that? Are we praying for those opportunities? We all have them. And if we pray for them, we're going to have a lot more of them. And it's not force, it's natural. I remember one time I was with one of my youth groups, it was in Connecticut, I remember it very well. I was sharing about how to sh share your faith and witness. And, and, and I remember one of the kids, he goes, well, I go to Christian school and, and I don't really know any non-Christians. I said, you, you 
Everywhere you go, there's non-Christians. Forget about school, but everything you do. I said, this is what I challenge the group. I want to challenge the group to do this. I want you all to pray for open doors. Pray that God would give you the opportunities, chances to share your faith. I want everybody to start praying that. And they all started to pray that. And week after week, they came back with crazy stories. I'm sitting in the barber chair. And the barber says, don't you go to Christian school? What's with this Jesus stuff? You know, or, or I'm in the zoo. Oh, my friend, you know, on, on, story after story. It was crazy. They were stunned. But it's true. God is looking for people that are praying for the, the chance to share. There's people out there that, that want to know about Jesus, that God is calling to himself. But he's looking for people that are be praying and waiting. Try it. I guarantee you, if you pray for open doors, they're going to be there. So palms, remember that, okay? We are looking for open doors. The second thing is, are we allowing any unnecessary baggage to hinder what God is trying to accomplish through us? Are we letting that baggage hinder what, where, or who God is calling us to touch with the love of Jesus Christ? What person, place, or thing is your baggage? It could be a person. It could be a place. It could be a thing. But it's baggage that keeps us from doing God's will for accomplishing his calling in our life for letting that anointing take take place and that power to to energize in our life it's it's there's baggage in our life and it could even be something good it doesn't have to be something bad it doesn't have to be a sin even it could be something good it's just not god's best and then the third thing is are we living by faith as you see this palm who am I, god's calling me to witness to what's my baggage and and am i living by faith Am I like the disciples, being sent out, but am I depending, total dependence on him? Whether we have a little or a lot, am I depending on him? And I asked him to come up and just share for a few minutes to, to end on this, because remember I told you the story about standing in the gap uh, when we did the three years and support? Well, I learned a lot, but I think Kim, <laughs> she'll tell you, she, she learned a lot through this whole process, too. So I'll let her share the whole dependence thing. I think some of you might relate to this, but. I just went from Palm Sunday with the threes, fours, and fives, and now I'm thinking about this. Um, well, he shared about our three years of doing that, but I'm a planner. I like to know how much is in the bank and how much is going to go out, and so this was a real huge test for me and a growing experience for me during that whole entire three years. Um, the verse that I always had to go back on when I was really struggling with are we going to have enough? Is God going to be able to take care of this? Was um, the do not worry passage in Matthew 6. He says, um, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, it, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And that was my verse. Like I was like, okay, if God can take care of the birds and they are not starving, we are going to be okay. So every time I would get into my panic, like, oh, how are we going to do this? I would always go to this verse. But I would have to say the first year was I was always battling God on this. Always. It was me and him fighting about, is he really going to be able to meet our needs? Is he not? I was always in this battle with him. And it came to a head a year later. It was Easter time, just like now. It was a gorgeous Easter Sunday, and um, I just got done quoting that verse. We went to church, and it was so nice out, we decided to take the kids to the park. 
So we were at the park and everybody's playing and they find a robin at the park with a broken wing. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, we gotta take the robin home. We're gonna take care of it. Let's get a box and let's take this robin home. And in the meantime, at my house, what I've been dealing with all week long is what I, practice that I had at home was on the first of the month, I would write the bills. And I would put the envelopes on the windowsill. And when the money came in, I would pay the bill. So this month, all the bills were still laying on the windowsill. They weren't able to be paid yet. And I knew that we didn't have anything in the account to be able to pay these bills. And I was really wrestling with God, like, God, there's so many bills that need to be paid. And so this is what has been going on in my head all week. I'm quoting this verse. I'm doing this. We get to this park and we find this bird. So we, everybody's all excited. We're going to take this bird home. We're going to save this bird. We're going to fix its wing. And as we're driving home, Chuck's like, oh, you know what? We need to stop. We need to stop and buy some bird food. I went, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I go, I have $3 in my wallet, we have no money in the bank, and you want to stop and buy food for a stupid bird. And that's exactly how I said it. Yeah, she did. No, actually meaner than that. <laughs> I, I looked at him and I'm like, no way. No way. And as my words were coming out of my mouth, the verse about look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or weep, but your heavenly father takes care of them. So reluctantly, I handed him the money. He went into whatever grocery store that was in Plumstead at the time, bought the bird food. We came home. Everybody's, we're taking care of this bird. We're giving the bird its food. Blah, 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 blah. And Monday comes. It's a normal Monday. Ryan goes off to school. Ryan and Matthew go to school. I still have these bills sitting on my windowsill. The bird's okay. We call the neck, and they're going to take care of our bird, and the bird's wing's going to be fixed, and it's going to be saved. The ark, the ark, not the knack, the ark. <laughs> the ark, which is no longer there. But on Wednesday, he had to go to First Baptist for a meeting, and so he went to his meeting, and he came home, and he goes, um, you're never going to believe this. I'm like, what? He goes, somebody came up to me and said, your family's been on my heart. I really feel led to give you X amount of money. And this is not a little amount of money. This was covering all of our bills that were sitting on my windowsill for that month. And I, at that moment, I'm just like, okay, that's it. I'm not having these battles anymore with you, God. You are going to provide, no matter where it comes from, no matter how it comes from, you are going to provide for my needs. And that is my verse, and it's still my life verse when I battle this. Are we going to have enough? Are we not going to have enough? But that's my, that's my verse, and um, that's my life story. Thank you. <laughs> It's the only time I get her to get up here and talk is the bird story. So I do my, I try to work it in every month. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. We had six kids and we're learning these lessons. And, you know, now we have a church and we have a salary. But, but now we're living in a very expensive area. And we have 13 kids. And there's a lot of faith with the church plant and you know and a lot of you guys you know we're helping each other out all the time and and it doesn't matter if we're living you know that's very important lessons for us i know why god led us and we only did because you got to do that for your lad it was god saying step out do this ministry and and you know it was a leading clear leading but it's all part of preparing us the the, the steps of faith and that dependence is preparing us because we still have to live by faith 
every month is still, we don't have enough. None of us do, right? It's still living by faith, depending on him. Whether it's money, whether it's our health or children struggling with something or job struggles or everything in our life. There's that, that living by faith, living by faith. And I want to say this before we go to prayer. We can't live by faith until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Palm Sunday is all about that, that Jesus presented himself as the Son of God. And we all know in a few days, it's Good Friday, he died on the cross in our place. As the Son of God died in our place and paid for our sin, John 3.16, for God... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what it means to put your faith in Jesus. That God gave his son Jesus to die in our place for our sin on that cross. And if we'll put our faith in him, we are given life. We're given eternal life. Life now and life forever with him. Let's pray. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? As we go to this time of prayer, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Today's a great day to do it. This Palm Sunday, you'll never forget it. The day that you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. There's no special religious ritual or rite. It's just a prayer. It's you speaking right to God, heart to heart, mind to mind, just something like this, God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me, for my sin, for all the wrong I've ever done, he died for me, and I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, I ask you to forgive me for that sin, because I'm putting my faith In Jesus, I'm putting my trust, my hope, my complete dependence in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith this morning, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member. Maybe you want to fill out the card in the the bulletin there and stick it in the box. Maybe you want to tell me on the way out, send me a text, send me an email, call. Let somebody know because we're going to be really excited for you and and, and help you in your new faith because something amazing, radical has happened inside of you. You have life now, a brand new life in Jesus Christ. God's spirit is actually going to live in you, is living in you right now. And your life will never be the same, not now and not a million years from now. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as you take this palm home and put it somewhere that you'll see it every day and help us to remember to pray for the open doors, for the complete dependence to letting go of whatever is keeping us from living the ultimate life you have for us, God. We invite your Holy Spirit to complete this sermon right now, today, every day this week, for the rest of our lives, 
pray that in Jesus' name.